0: As we begin our time together this morning, I invite you to take out your teaching notes. Uh, I believe that this is a vital message for us not only to hear right now, but also to take home with us because we want to be a part of the transformation of the world. And I believe that the message that is in Scripture and that I'll share with you today will help us to be a witness for Christ in the world, for the transformation of the world through Love of Christ. So, we're talking about in this series a pathway, uh, a disciple's pathway. We're talking about how we can have this deepening relationship with Christ and with the church uh, that will equip us uh, to be a vital part of God's work here in our community, when we say in our vision statement, here there, and everywhere. Uh, we, we, believe that this <clears throat> we believe that this is a vital part of us, is to be growing disciples of Christ. We said in first, the first week, Robert talked about uh, that we need to be present. We need to have our presence here. Uh, we need to be present in worship, and we need to be present in some form of small group, whether that be a Sunday school class or a Bible study, but we need to be involved in both worship and a small group second thing we said uh, Robert said actually uh, three weeks ago two weeks ago is that uh, we need to uh, be focused around uh, prayer and around the reading of scripture last week we talked about uh, making uh, being servants of the living Christ and I invited you to take home one of these servant towels and to remember uh, what it means to be a servant of the living God in fact I've been carrying mine in my pocket all week long, and I hope that you're doing the same. I saw some of you during the week and and you came out and said, Here, Tom, look, we're carrying it with us. And I hope that you're carrying your servant towel with you. As Robert said, we're going to be talking about witnessing today. So I want to ask you a question. What is your life mission? What is your life mission? Well, we have to understand that it's unique for all of us. When we were birthed into the world, you were given certain special, certain gifts and abilities that no one else had just like you. You were made uniquely in the image of God, but you are a unique creation of God. But in that mission, all of us have something in common. All of us who have stepped forward and said, I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That's what we all have in common. And when we begin to think about what we have in common, uh, that it cannot be something that just sits in our lives, but it also has to be something that is shared in the world in which we live. I want to share with you three passages of Scripture. The first from Acts 20, verse 24. It says, the most important thing, you get that? I want you to hear those words. The most important thing is that I complete my mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. Every single one of us, no matter what our unique gifts may be, every single one of us have this in common, that we have a mission, and that mission is to tell people about the good news of God's grace for our lives. Look at this text from John 20, verse 21. It says, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Or look at this text from Acts 1, verse 8, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, where it simply says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in every part of the world. So my question to you is, well, what, is it that we, what, what is it that we understand? What is it that, that, how is it that we define the word witness? If I was uh, to be called to, to a trial and I'd be uh, standing there before the, the jurors and the judge, what would I be telling people about uh, if I was called to be a witness for something? I'd be telling them what I saw, what I heard, My observations? See, I I think that one of the things that's happened so often in the church today is that we have become so comfortable uh, with our faith that we forgot what it felt like when that faith first entered into our lives. We have become almost dulled by the reality that we are followers of Christ, uh, but it's just kind of sitting there in our lives. But this is also what I hear. Robert, this is what I hear so often from people. I, I hear people say, well, we, we, we know that you are hired by the church to be a pastor. So people who are pastors and preachers and missionaries, well, you all get paid to be a witness. Almost as if that's an excuse for you not to. Being a witness. See, the scripture is very clear. You shall be my witness. Where? Where where are you going to be a witness? The scripture says, uh, first you're going to be in Jerusalem. Now, let me give you a map here. This is the center part of of Israel. Uh, So, uh, we we have this map here. We have uh, Jerusalem right here is where Jerusalem is. And so does that mean uh, that uh, you're supposed to get on an airplane, drive over to Miami, get on LL uh, Airlines, uh, fly over to Tel Aviv, get into a car, drive to Jerusalem, about an hour and a half drive, and and there you're supposed to do your witnessing. Is that what it means? No. So what does it mean? It simply means that that's where uh, the followers of Christ were at that time. And so what you and I are called to do is that we are called to do our ministry right where we are. So wherever you're living, wherever you're driving, wherever you're walking, wherever uh, you are participating in life, that is where you are to be sharing, giving a witness about the love of God. Well, then it says, You are to be my witness in, in Jerusalem, and then it says what? Judea, right? So if you look at the large capital letters, this is the region where the city of Jerusalem fits in. So we have Judea here, we have Samaria here, we have Galilee here, the large capital letters. So it says, You will be my witness in Judea. That, that simply means that you are to give a witness to the county, to the region where you are living. So we are to give a witness here in Fort Myers or Lee County. There are approximately 684,000 people who live in Lee County. And what we are called to do is we are called to give a witness as a, 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 as a lighthouse for God right here where we are in Lee County. Well, then it says, oh, we're supposed to give a witness in Samaria, okay? So here the people were in Jerusalem, and here is Samaria. Well, <laughs> but what you need to understand is that the Jews at that time, the original hearers of this word at this time, would never walk through Samaria. It was an unclean, best way of saying it, it was just an unclean area. And so the Jews would not go put a foot into this region. What did they do? They would go from Jerusalem, they would go around over here to to the shoreline, go up past Caesarea, and come in here if they were going to the Galilee. Or perhaps they'd come down... Of the Jordan River Valley, and come down this way. But they would never step into Samaria. So what this means for us is that what we are called to do is to be in ministry with people who are ethnically and culturally different than we are. Uh-oh. We are called, are you ready? ready? Let me say it again. We are called to be in ministry with people who are ethnically and culturally different than we are. Look around the room. Really, I want you to look around the room. Can anyone tell me what the answer is to my question without my asking the question? What are we? We're awfully white aren't we so my question is if we are living into the scripture of being a witness for Christ in samaria in a place that is ethnically and culturally different than us in a place where jews did not want to go and this is making some of you saying well, Tom, if you're going to preach like this, I'm not going to be coming back here. Worship is still the most segregated hour of the week. And we've got to come to terms with that. You are going to be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and every part of the world. Well, today, you and I have this wonderful ability to be able to travel to to every part of the world. We can be anywhere in the world within just a few hours. Get on a plane, take off and go. Uh, Our church is blessed to have uh, sister congregations and sister relationships with the Methodist Church of El Salvador, uh, with the Methodist Church in Angola, uh, with the Methodist Church in Cuba, and many other places that we support as well. We believe in being in ministry to all the parts of the world. That's what the scripture says. So the question has to be then, the obvious question has to be, what am I supposed to share? And what did the scripture say? The scripture says that you are called to share what? What is it? Ah, okay, so maybe you don't know. Are, are you with me? Well, let's try that again. Are you with me? I just got to make sure you're awake. So here, 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 here's what we got to do. We are called to share the what? The good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's grace falling down upon all of humanity. That's what we're called to do. So let me, let me, so let me talk about good news. Um, Karen and I, um, you know, you haven't heard anything about this over the last few weeks at all, uh, but you know that Karen and I are, are, are having a good time with our first granddaughter. Can I, can I share some good news with you? So let me just share some good news with you. She's not eight weeks old here, and she's alive and lively, and she's just having a good time. Isn't, the, isn't she the, just the most adorable thing you've ever seen? And look, look at that smile. One more. Yeah, I love that one. Well, yeah, but you all have grandparents. You all have grandkids too, but you don't have the bully pulpit that I have. <laughs> so here, here's the good. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> so, so what is the so good news for me right now? Is that I get to proclaim that I love my granddaughter. But when we start thinking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am called to to share the good news of God's grace, which is sufficient for my every need. Do you all hear that? That's the good news. That's what God wants us to do. And yet so often uh, when, when I look out into your faces right now and, I, and I'm, I'm picking on you today, I'm going to pick on you and pick on you and pick on you uh, because I, I swear that maybe I should call 9-11 and see and have them come in and see if you're, some of you are still breathing, you know? But there's good news. And I, and I hear people say, well, Tom, uh, the people that I live with don't want to hear about the good news. The people that I go to work with don't want to hear about the good news. The people that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, I, I, that I go and play golf with and tennis with and do all these things don't want to hear the good news. No, what they don't want to hear is they don't want to hear about religion. That's what they don't want to hear about. We live in a time we live in a time that more people are receptive to hearing about the faith than at any other time in history. It's not that they're not people who are interested in hearing the good news. It's just that they're tired of hearing about religion. They're tired of maybe of hearing about the church. Paul was clear. Peter was clear. The early disciples, fathers, and mothers of our faith were clear. It was about giving a witness of the love of Christ for all of humanity. That's what people are interested in. But they're not interested in hearing more about religion. So I, I, went, to, um, I went down to Bell Tower Shopping Center about um, two weeks ago as I was working on this sermon. And I sat down on one of the benches. Um, I, I went in this way, and right inside here, there's some benches. And I just sat down there. And, and, and whenever a person would sit down next to me, I decided that I would ask them a question. And, and the question would be, what do you need to do in order to get God to love you? got some really interesting answers. It, it was all about doing I've got to do this, I've got to do that. 99% of the people, when they answered out of, uh, it was almost 15 people, I think it was 14 people that I talked to, people would say, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Um, you know, it's like following the Talmud. The Talmud in the Hebrew scripture is the 613 laws. And we, and we kind of figure, are we going to be able to follow the 613 laws? We don't do that very well, do we? How many of you do, uh, how many of us, I need to make us part of this, how many of us do really well with the Ten Commandments? Well, we don't do really well with that one either. Or what about the Eight Beatitudes? We don't do that really well either. We don't even really do well uh, with what Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We don't do that. You see, what we need to understand and what we need to help communicate as part of our witness is that what we need to share is that what God wants more than anything else is for us to understand that we are called to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. We are called to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we begin witnessing about what Jesus Christ and the gift of God's grace has done in my life and your life, it's not hard to give a witness for Christ. Because it's not about doing. It's about receiving. So that brings me to, so what are the benefits? What are the benefits of of receiving the love of God in my life, of receiving the grace of God in my life? What are the benefits for my life? Let me just give you two quick thoughts. The first is uh, that I receive forgiveness for my past. Is that good news? I receive forgiveness for my past. So this morning I asked, I uh, uh, asked the tech team to give me this very special camera. And some of you have been really anxious and not wanting to. I, I noticed a couple of you actually moving and when you saw where the camera was positioned and that you were moving out so you're not in that limelight. So, Tom, this is on you back there, buddy. So, so what I want you to know about this camera is that this camera will look at all of Tom's 80 years of life. <laughs> and, and, or is it 85? I'm sorry. Uh, so 85 years of life, and it will take, this, and we'll take the 85 years of life and bring it into a synopsis of the high, high points and the low points of Tom and give it to us in four minutes. And so this has been going on, so I positioned this camera, so be on Tom, so it's been going on, so we're going to take the next four minutes and look at the highlights and the low lights of Tom. Are you ready? Tech crew, if you can give it to me on the screen, please. I see Tom going down lower and lower into his chair. See, here's the reality. The reality is that all of us are carrying this baggage about our past. Every single one of us. There are things that creep into our memory periodically, things from our childhood, things from our youth, things from our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s go on, and there is something that is gnawing at us. And what we're being taught in Scripture is that if we simply say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned, that tape of Tom, that tape of your tape of memories is gone. That's the benefit. You no longer have to walk in this world. You no longer have to walk down the path of carrying this burden with you. And some of you need to hear me say that very clearly. Because we are carrying a heavy load with us. That Jesus says, I forgive you. The other thing that we receive is that we receive a future that we dare to hope and pray for. But we receive a future. We receive a future while we're alive. But the future that I want to talk to you about is that we receive a future that is called heaven. And that heaven is there as a gift of God for those who walk in the path of righteousness, who are forgiven. And there is this place, John 14 says, there's a a place built especially for you. And that's the gift that God wants to give you. So when we're talking about witnessing, we're talking about witnessing about our past being forgiven, a present that we dare to look at because it is a place in heaven created for you and for me. I've had people say, though, well, Tom, isn't heaven for only perfect people? Isn't heaven perfect? Yeah, it is. And then I hear people say, oh, well, if it's a perfect place, there's no way I'm getting in there. But did you just hear what I said? What I just said is that if you come to the altar and you say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned, your sins have been made clean, you have been purified, you have been made new in Christ. well, why do we do this? Why do we even consider uh, giving a witness for Christ? There's just one reason. And it simply comes from the word love. This word love is one that God created. See, God says, I love humanity. God says, I love to make broken people whole again. I love to create something new in people's lives. Look at this passage of Scripture. God's free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Go on to the next Scripture. Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, "For For the love of Christ compels us. See, people matter to God. And if they matter to God, ought they not ought to matter to the church? And if they matter to the church, should they not also matter to the people in the church? So why do we witness? It's because Christ calls us to give a witness. Christ calls us to share a witness of good news. People don't have to achieve a certain level of of spirituality. But rather, I think that people, people, begin to experience a freedom from their past and a gift for their future. And we begin to live like Christ. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you. Who is it in your life, right now, that you need to give a witness to? Who is it in your life right now that you need to speak a word about what God has done in your life through the saving grace of Jesus Christ? See, nobody can argue with what has happened in your life. So who can you give a witness for Christ for? That perhaps that you can plant the seed, that perhaps another person of faith can come in water, that perhaps another person of faith can come and and, and better equip that person. But it begins with you and with me giving a witness for Christ. Let's pray. God, you call us to love. For the love of Christ compels us to be a witness. So God, I pray that you'll come and inspire us to leave here transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as we leave here today and that you may come and inspire us to be living disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we offer our hearts, our minds, we offer our whole selves to the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we might be touched and transformed, that we may be a witness for Christ. Amen.